0: Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. And um, we're going to start in Psalms 91. So I'm going to do half of Psalms 91, and then we'll do the other half next week, okay? Okay. I'm gonna rehab the New American Standard, then I'm gonna say a few things, and then we'll come back and actually break down the eight verses in the Passion Translation, all right? Amen, and we're gonna break them down in 10 minutes of preparation, because when you follow the Holy Ghost, you would be amazed at what he'll give you, amen? I've had people ask before, well, how do you study? Well, I'm always studying, because I'm always meditating. There's not a time I'm not meditating on the Word meaning something can come up. When I'm praying in the spirit, I'm studying because I'm praying out mysteries, right? I'm connected that God at any moment could wanna say anything. You know, whether that's a word of knowledge for a situation when you go into a store or whether you've looked at some things in scripture and and you're like, I have no idea what God's talking about. But six months of praying in the spirit and just other study, all of a sudden, the Lord can turn that truth on like that. If you're always in a position that you're desiring to know the things of God. And so, you know, because we go and read the Bible, I mean, that's our strongest asset at Anchor Bay Church is that we actually read the Bible. And we challenge everyone to read it year after year after year after year because it's not just a book like a library. It's God speaking to us. And how many can testify with me that every time you come through it in a year, you're like, I've never seen that before. Like God shows you something you never saw. You've read it a hundred times even. You're like, really? Where was that at? How many of you saw something different in John three sixteen on Sunday? Right? So that was different. Well, because God could continue to expound us in what he's saying and full meaning of what he's saying. That's why when he, uh, when he asked you know, the disciples, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ the son of the living God, remember what he said? He said, he said, um, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. Meaning, you can't get this knowledge on your own. You can have the information, but it's not real to you. The Bible is not us trying to find knowledge. The Bible is about us trying to discover revelation. And revelation will reveal knowledge. It, knowledge alone is not Enough. We must have revelation knowledge. Because again, uh, it was revealed to Peter by revelation knowledge, but my Father, who's in heaven, has revealed to you that I'm the Christ. And because he recognized and knew that, right, he understood that. Now, he didn't know what all that meant because he didn't realize, you know, well, you're the Christ, you're the king, so let's get you on the throne. And if somebody tries to kill you, I'm going to take them out. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're talking like the devil, right? So in one sentence, he's hearing from God. The next few sentences later he's hearing from the devil Um, you know that can happen but it doesn't change that he believed he was the Christ okay he had revelation but the seven sons of Sceva which is a left-handed Jewish um, um, scribe Pharisee you know religious leader um, they went to try to rebuke demons the way Paul did in the name of Jesus now see they had knowledge of how Paul performed the exorcisms meaning Rebuking demons that were literally possessing people But because they didn't have revelation knowledge Then when they tried to do it they got whipped stripped and beat up And a lot of times believers are getting whipped stripped and beat up Because they're quoting a scripture that they have a knowledge about but not revelation Because we've taken the world system of education and brought it into our lives that we just need to know something. You know, how many tests did you take that you knew it, but then the next year you couldn't remember what you got 100 on the year before? Right? So it really wasn't a part of you. It was just something you had in your memory bank long enough to pass the test paper. But it's not a part of you where now you can quote it, say it. You, it's a part of your being. Right? So, when you get around people who have fields of study, it's a part of their being. It's their life. They're always talking about it. They can converse. And, and, but it, we should be this with the Word of God. That's right. But in revelation, knowing that it works this way and that way only. Okay. So, in Psalms 91, we'll start in verse 16. I'm going to read the whole chapter um, because it's definitely good for us to know this. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. It is for it is he who dwells, who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrows that fly by day or of the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or of the destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your, uh, at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. For you have made the Lord my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor will any plague come near your tent for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways they will bear you up in your hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone you will tread upon the lion and the cobra and the the young lion and the serpent you will trample down because he has loved me therefore i will deliver him i will set him securely on high because he has known my name i will cast upon He will cast upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and will rescue him and honor him. With a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation. Amen? Well, that's good news, isn't it? Aren't you glad that Psalms 91 is for the believer? I said it's for the believer. But it's not just for the believer. It's for the believer who dwells. So let's go back to verse 1 in the New American Standard real quick. And then I want to say a few things. He who, this is qualifying. It's a qualifying statement. It, would, it implies if you don't dwell, then 91 doesn't apply. The assumption is, is because I'm born again, I'm already dwelling. In one sense, that's true. You've been given the right to dwell. And we're gonna dis, we're gonna define this word dwell here in a second. Okay? Uh, actually, uh, Chelsea, no, I guess there's no, there was a chair right there. What happened to the chair? Oh, get, bring that chair up here, Nick. So um, it says he who dwells. Dwells is an action. Uh, it's, it's something that's continually happening. Dwells, Not dwelled or going to dwell, but dwells. That's where they're at. So this word dwell literally means sit, abide, or it means remain. So now once I'm here, I'm here. I'm dwelling. Okay, am I dwelling now? No, because I'm not in my seat. If I leave the seat, I'm not dwelling. So he who is in the seat, So if you're not in the seat, then you're not getting the rest of the verse. And it's not God's fault because he's invited you to the seat. It also means this, a place of dwelling as the place returned to. So it's like you're coming back to your seat. It was always your seat, but you lost it. And now he's giving you the seat back. It also means this, it means returning to one's place of residence where one sits. It's where you're supposed to reside. Are you hearing me? You hearing what I'm saying? Well, how do we know this? How do we what seat are we talking about? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 tells us what seat we're talking about. It didn't take you long probably to figure that out if you've been with us, and especially if you came through the year these years we're talking about raining and last year we talked about being seated, right? And we read this scripture often while we do the Amplified Classic. says this, and he raised us up together with him and made us what? Sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in, heavenly, uh, in the heavenly sphere by virtue of being of our being in Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So, Jesus, when we made Jesus the Lord of our lives, he says, come sit on the throne with me. But if you're gonna have the Psalm 91 covering, you're gonna have to dwell here. This is where you dwell. Now, this word means abide. Well, Jesus said, Jesus, we get into New Testament, he said, if a man remains in me or abides in me, if is a conditional statement, which implies you can quit abiding you cannot abide although you're capable of abiding you're capable of remaining you're capable of staying but you're also because of free will (coughs) excuse me capable of moving or taking a different thought or actually getting up from your seat and acting like you're not ever been on the seat right So Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 26. He said this, if anyone serves me, this is cool, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Well, anybody following Jesus today? Anyone serving Jesus? Right? Well, then how are you with him? Because he sure isn't on the planet, physically speaking. But we just read that because we're in Christ, we are seated with him in heavenly places, so in the position of authority and kingship, we're on the same seat that he sits. We are to to dwell there, and one way we know we're in that seat is because we're serving him, and we're following him. Okay. <coughs> if anyone serves me, he him, my father will honor. If we want fa- honor from Father God, which again this just goes back to hebrews 11:6 it's impossible to please god without faith how do you live by faith Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So we hear what the Father says to the Son. The Son communicates it to the Holy Spirit. We read it in the word. The Spirit reveals it. That's the will of the Father. And when we're doing it, we're living by faith, which means God the Father will honor us because we're doing his word, and his word will not return unto him void, but shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. So in order to serve Jesus, Right and follow him, you must put down your will and do his will. So the only way you remain in the seat, okay. the only way you remain seated is that you are serving his will. I'm gonna need a water. <clears throat> Thank you. Serving his will, okay? Um, we serve his will by putting our will down we are ones who are constantly saying not my will but your will be done so again a lot of people are reading Psalms 91 but they're not positionally staying where they need to be so that God can do all that he wants to do because here's the thing God's mercy will do a whole lot can I just say that but I don't want to live only under God's mercy I want his mercy, don't get me wrong, it's awesome. I'm not saying I don't want God's mercy. What I'm saying is is there is a place to live beyond mercy. There is a place to live in grace. Now grace that I'm talking about is not um, unmerited favor grace, that's the grace that was afforded me before I came to know Christ. I'm talking about the empowering grace, the same grace that Jesus had on him when he came to the planet because there's nothing Jesus didn't deserve. What he didn't deserve was was your sin. That's what he didn't deserve because he was a man who knew no sin but became sin. So the grace on his life was the, uh, the power of God to resist temptation and not yield to the flesh and commit sin or disobey dad, the father. So what did he say? I only do what dad says. He said, I'm only doing the will of my dad. If you see me doing something, it's because the father's told me to do it right I'm serving him and him alone and because of that he dwelled with the Most High yes. he was guaranteed he would overcome that's why he could go to lacrosse right. because dad's gonna have to raise me from the dead right. he said he would he will Amen. all right he said he would and he will so these are positions that again if anyone serves me if it's a conditional statement All of us in this room I don't care that we're born again we can choose to not serve God you have to understand that just because you were born again and now your spirit man is alive to God and has the capacity and desire to want to hear God and if anybody if you would think back on the day you were born again because some of y'all you've not been born again for so long or you were excuse me you it's been so long since you were born again and because of life's challenges. Some of us have gotten jaded and even offended. Or haven't grown up by renewing our minds, and we don't know who we are, and we've just accepted, well, at least when I, go he- when I die, I go to heaven mentality. But when a person is born again, and some that may be here today, that, that wasn't too long ago, I mean, it's like you can't help but want to read the Word. I mean, you want to. You're like, Give me, a, give me something else to read. Give me something else to look. I need to be in. I want to worship God. I want to be in, I mean, it's just like that. I mean, we saw it on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When they came into the kingdom of God and 3,000 were added to the, to the souls were added that day, they continually came to hear the apostles. They were like, I'm alive. I want to hear what God has to say. Right? But then the devil tries to come and act like it ain't that. He tries to trip you up some way or the other. And if you quit trying to renew your mind, then he will trip you up and he'll get you off your seat. He'll get you off your seat. Because make no mistake about it, get this. If Jesus Christ never sinned and the devil went after him, he's not entirely intimidated with you just because you get into God's kingdom. Because if you don't know who you are, he can still beat you up. If, he don't know, if you don't understand, you're in a seat that you can remain in. All right? We also know this according to Revelations 3, 21. Look at this. He who overcomes, will I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. Thrones are in kingdoms, not religions, right? As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What I'm saying is, is that... <clears throat> The Bible's very clear of where people are. I mean, it's really easy to figure it out. It's really not that hard. People who are not born of God, it's very easy to see where they're at. You can see it in their lifestyle, their behavior, all those things. Someone who knows who they are in Christ and lives in a seated position, is pretty obvious who they Why? Because when trials and tribulations come, they just go through it. And it's like, you're like wondering, how are they going to make it? But yet they get, and you're like in awe of that. But then you know the one that's born again, but don't stay seated. Because you know what? They're getting beat up. Trouble's coming. You can hear it in their voice. They're whining about it. I mean, they're struck. And the reason why, well, where's he? It's because you come off your seat. I mean, we're all going to go through the storm, but stay in your seat so that you can actually get the Psalms 91. Because I'm going to tell you right now, No one says that a symptom can't come, uh, a challenge can't come, uh, 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 you know, trouble won't come. In fact, Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trial and tribulation, but be of what? Good cheer. The person who's laughing during the trial is seated. Now, the one who's laughing during the trial feels like crying. Doesn't mean they don't feel like cussing and crying. And getting extremely fleshly about situations. Sure. But we have to just make a choice. My wife and I made a choice to stay seated today. We had a leak in our uh, dishwasher. Right? It's been there for a while. But, you know, when it's just Marcy and I, no big deal. I mean, we don't really have to load up the dishwasher much. Right? Well, you know, I have more kind of at the house right now. So the dishwasher gets loaded up a lot. Well, that leak didn't. What it was doing to my cabinets underneath, accelerated. Yeah. Open up underneath the kitchen sink, and all of a sudden, this bow's happening. Oh, hallelujah. So then you open that up, and you're like, Jesus. Well, you know, I'm just thinking, yeah, it's the end of January. Yeah, it wasn't today. So... My wife said, we've never filed a claim, let's do it. So, she was like on the phone, had an adjuster come out, do the whole deal, and they cut us a check. Problem is, they cut a check with the old mortgage company, not the one I'm in. So, now I have a check that's no good. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. So now we're having to call and say this isn't the right one, even though we tell them who our person is. Well, the thing is, the mortgage I'm in now, I've already refinanced with them, so they actually have a number that's inactive and a new number. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> so when we are letting them, this is ours, and they want us to prove we actually have a different mortgage company now, the new loan number that I have is not the, trans- the loan number that transferred from the old mortgage. Oh, yeah this is like great stuff so you're like talking to individuals that barely can go off script you know what I'm talking about with call center there's the script and you ask the question off script we're in trouble and you want to reach through the phone and get a visual I wish we could do FaceTime at this moment right I mean, you want to say, please, give me somebody that knows what they're doing at this company. Please. It's not complicated. (laughs) So my wife found some, sent it off. They said that wasn't good enough. Wow, that's not good enough. I'm like, geez. So I got involved, right? We've got the paperwork. That was good enough. The check comes in. But now... I. The insurance, right? It's just a scam. My gosh, it just blows my mind. So it's my house. It's the damage to my house. But I have to have our mortgage endorse the check. Oh, a lot of claims out here. (laughs) So I call up. This is what I'm doing. Where do I send it? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, Mr. Glisson, no problem. Do do this, do this. Attention, this into here. Da, da Okay, thank you. Got it. We went certified overnight, right? I just didn't make them sign for it, but I see it showed up the next day. A week later, nothing. So my wife, by the spirit, calls, and it's in the wrong state. Oh yeah. You see what I'm talking about? We all... Now, I can tell the difference between who's seated and who's not right now because of what's going down. And I'm feeling. My, my wife's feeling. I mean, I really want to say... But, you know, what are you going to say to the person who don't even have the authority anyway? I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. There's no reason for me to get aggravated with you. No, and I'm not talking anyway. My wife was like, calm as a cucumber, man. She was like, yes, man. You know, honestly... We, man, you know, you're just like, please, you're, you're trying to plead a case enough to get movement. So they're like, well, well, I'll get with my supervisor. We'll see, you know, we told them what state it was in, sent them a picture of the state that it went to, the post office box it went to. Then they email back, we are not, a, we can't even contact that office. How can you not contact that office and it's the same company? Right? That's like, I can't talk to Pastor Mark in Valdosta. I sent my tithe there. I can't talk to him. The pastor was for here. I can't talk to him. How crazy is this? So, you know what they suggested? We call our insurance, have them cancel the second check, and reissue us another one. While my cabinet's Or sacking, <laughs> right? I mean, I've got this little where my countertop is, the, the 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 caulking is starting to separate. I mean, I'm like, bro, this is gravity's taking place here, <laughs> right? I need a We need a sink still. I mean, so I had to put a little board, uh, you know, because I don't have nothing up underneath the sink. I've already ripped that out, and I put a little board, you know. I got the door where you can shut it so you can't see see, right? But yeah, hallelujah. So, you know, Marcy and I, we just stay here. Got to stay here, right? So Marcy calls the adjuster. You know what they say? We'll just cut you another one. Stop. And I'm thinking, what if it's in the... I, I, said, I said, did you check the mail today? Because God forbid that thing hit the mail anyway from, out, from that other state. They did it. And this one here that they don't talk to anyway... Doesn't know that they've done it, and it's sitting in the mailbox right now. And they're gonna stop that one, which means it came back, and now we still get you. Surely, I guess if you can stop it, you can start it again. I don't know, but right now I'm feeling that that's complicated. All right, but I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I mean, you want it done tomorrow, right? But at the end of the day, you just start eating that fruit. My wife was tearing it up today, man. Right? I mean, I didn't see her do it, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm, I, would have, I was doing it, and I wasn't even on the phone. <laughs> okay, y'all with me? He who overcomes, I will grant him to, to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So let's go to Psalms 91 again, 1 through 8. We're going to do the Passion Translation. I like how the Passion starts this out because he who dwells, when you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai. Now, that's a word El Shaddai is the one that, I'm not going to get into that word, but anyway, he takes care of everything. He's more than enough. He's got it all. He's more than enough. I said he's more than enough. And no matter what's going on, you're just like, more than enough. That's my daddy. Right? He says you are hidden in the strength of, of God most high. So the only way that you're going to stay within the strength of God is to remain in your seat. You got to dwell there. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care that you're born again. If you don't stay seated, trouble's going to come to you, and you're going to go through things that you did not have to do. I was looking at a totally different subject tonight, you know, and um, so I was kind of doing some history on a particular king, and I was trying to figure out when... Israel had encountered this king within their 40 years wandering. And so, you know, I didn't have a specific source I could go to, so I just thought, okay, I'll Google this particular one and ask the question. Well, out of that became this, you know, saw this sermon that someone had done about the things you learn in the wilderness, like being in the wilderness, there's like this massive positive experience. And I realize, I'm like, my gosh, here is somebody that is creating a whole sermon on the power of the wilderness when you're only in the wilderness, because you were stubborn, stiff-necked and disobeyed. So now why are we going to glorify a wilderness experience? When God's mercy was in the wilderness, you wore the same clothes, the same shoes. They didn't wear out. He provided you food and all that. But he never would have done that. It was not his will for you to experience the desert. And they build sermons around that. Why? The only reason they were in the desert experiencing that kind of lifestyle because they didn't stay seated. They didn't dwell with what God said. Dwelling with the Lord is serving and following his word. If you're not following and serving his word, you're not dwelling. I'm not talking of physical seats here. I'm talking about how do I know I'm seated? I'm always yielding and submitted to his word. This is what he said. Because at the end of the day, the little conversation my wife and I were having about this insurance, we are having dwell with God. We're just going to be patient. We're not going to cuss them out. We're not going to act ty- like a tyrant. We're not going to tell them how stupid they are and why this business is falling. You know, we're not going to give them a piece of our mind. Right? I mean, it doesn't profit, and that's what the world does. That's what the flesh does. And then we're not gonna tweet, we're not gonna put on Facebook our horrible experience and ask anybody else if they had the same problem that we've had. And then look for a community of other people who've experienced this kind of shunning from their insurance so we can identify and hold each other together and be stronger. (laughs) No, I am in the arms of the Lord. I'll just stay with him. That's where the strength is. My strength is not with similar people who are going through the experience I'm going through and crying about it. My strength is to stay with what God says despite because I'm just gonna dwell. And if I do that, he's gonna work this thing out. Right? At the end of the day, he's gonna work it out. At the end of the day, it's gonna work out. No problem. I'm not homeless. (laughs) You know, my kitchen sink works, and if it didn't, I have other sinks. I have other sinks. I'm not gonna cry. If I show up today and the whole countertop falls off, and we walk in there like, well, praise the Lord. (laughs) And if it breaks off the faucet and it's flooding my house, I'll be calling them and they'll pay more now because they were slow. I mean, you don't want to do that. But hey, I get double for my trouble because I'll stay seated. Verse two, he's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. I mean, my life's not going to fall apart whether they denied me. Even though I have a right to it, I mean, I'm paying you all kind of stuff. You want it all the time, but you don't pay your insurance, bro. You're, I mean, it's, you get it now. But you know, you ask them to give back on a claim, and it's like three months later. I mean, you know, you want to say, "I'll pay you three months from now." <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need somebody else to endorse the check I'm sending you for insurance. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You're like, what? Okay. I mean, because at the end of the day, Freedom Mortgage is not paying my insurance. I am. But yet they get to endorse it. Hallelujah. Okay. Anyway, he's the hope that holds me. So he's my hope. He's my confident expectation. And I can only have a confident expectation. Again, all this is predicated on he who dwells. He who dwells. He who dwells. When we get shouting, we're like, because I'm sitting. I'm sitting. I'm sitting. You can come off your seat, and God's mercy can do things for you. But all the wise, are going to say, you need to come on right to your seat. Come on back to your seat now. Come on back to your seat. Right? And when we're dealing with people and when God's using us to help bring mercy to people, we need to say, now, listen, man, you need to get to your seat. Because I'm telling you right now, there's authority where you're at. There's protection where you're at. There's hope where you're at. Because he'll take care of you. No so ifs sends a bus. What is that? You're going to be serving God. You're going to be following him. You know, I'm part of following him is being in church. That's a following. You're not to forsake your uh, assembling of yourself together, right? Okay. So because of that, he's my strong. He shelters me. I mean, anything that comes, dad gets in the way. Dad's there. Right? He's that fortress. You can run into him and be Safe. He's the safe place. Today I was studying and a storm rolled through real quick, man, and lightning was popping and thunder was going. My dog came in to check in on me. (laughs) I think my dog came in to check on their self. Are you in here? Is it okay? Can I lay next to you? You can lay down. Because I'm all right. I'm protected. I'm in the house. I'm not running around with a lightning rod. (laughs) Right? So I'm in the protection. All that was going around, but I wasn't concerned. I wasn't in anxiety. I mean, I can hear the storm. I can see the rain. But at the end of the day, I'm in him. I mean, what can it do to me? I mean, isn't that what the scripture says? What can man do to you? When you're living the righteous life, when you're staying connected with God, when you're serving and following him, because if you serve and follow him, where he is, you'll also be. So I know I'm always seated when I'm doing that. I'm always doing that. Verse three, he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. Oh, I love that. And he will protect you from false accusations and any deadly curse. Hallelujah. i am tell you, as a pastor here at Anchor Faith Church, I've had some, some false accusations. I've had some deadly curses. <laughs> right? But you know what the Lord did? He protected me. He protected me. I mean, you know, and, and, and on their social media platforms, you know, they would say certain things, but I'm not retaliating. I don't have to retaliate. I don't have to say anything. Why? Because... God is there to protect me. He will allow the integrity of who I am to ultimately come to the surface, amen? And if you're always trying to run down your reputation to keep it intact, then you've gotten off your seat. At the end of the day, you've gotten off your seat. We have to be people who realize that God is there to protect us from different things but you know the beginning of part of this verse I love this it says he will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy you know what I don't live a what if existence what do I mean by what if what if this happens and what if that happens and what if this happens and what if that happens and what if this happens and what if that happens you know you will what if yourself crazy well you'll be afraid to get out of the house you'll be because you'll be like, what if this happened what and you'll try to create a life where you deal with all the what-ifs of life. I'm not saying you can't plan, right? But your planning should be led by the Spirit. Your planning should at least have a peace about it. Again, what if I lost my job, so I'm going to save at least a month's worth of stuff? Now, if you want to do that, you can. No problem. Just make sure the what-if is not a fear what-if. Because if it's a fear what if that you're saving for a month, then what you fear will come upon you. You'll lose your job, and then you'll say, well, thank God I saved that. When the reality is you called it to yourself because you were doing the savings out of fear of something happening. Not out of general practice. Meaning, I'm gonna save this. I'm just giving a hypothetical, okay? I'm not telling you to save a month. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm just giving a general application. I'm just saying if you said, I will do this, and you have a month's worth of bills, you know, your head, so to speak, where you can pay everything in the event something took place, you have that cash on hand, let's say six months, whatever. But if the Lord comes through and says, I want you to sow that. Well, no, that's my What if? Now, it is a fear savings. Because you could sow that whole thing because you know God protects you. You know that God will rescue you from anything that would take place anyway. And you may not get laid off immediately and realize, I just gave all that to the Lord, now I don't have it. The Lord's like, bro, I got more for you because you sowed that. Or it could be that God gives you more right out the gate and then you have like double that that you're sitting on. Per se, whatever. But he'll rescue from every hidden trap of the enemy. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna walk around and try to figure out what could bad happen to me. And I don't think about that with my kids. Let's just put it this way. Let's look back at this beginning verse so you can understand this, okay? Every hidden trap of the enemy. That means... You're going to have hidden traps of the enemy. Because he said you're going to have trials and tribulations. The the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. So, yes, you can go ahead and settle. The enemy is looking to try to trap you. But guess what? He's already rescued you. And he he don't have to rescue you before the trap's set. No weapon formed against you will prosper. A weapon has been formed. And it is mounted towards you. It could even be shooting downrange. But it can't prosper. It can be active, but it cannot uh, arrive at its intended target. Right? I mean, it can come your way, but not hurt you in that context. So you have to be confident when we're reading these Psalms 91, there's a lot in here that we just look at, he'll rescue me, he'll protect me. Well, if he's rescuing you, that means there's a trap. And the traps don't feel good. Traps don't look good. If he'll protect you from false accusations and deadly curses, that means somebody's talking bad about you. And then telling everybody at the gym about you. And telling everybody at the work about you. And telling everybody on Facebook Live about you. And TikTok and whatever social media and writing a letter, a sternly worded letter. No, nobody. (laughs) Right? What are you going to do? Well, that means you're in that occasion. But if you don't stay seated, then you'll get emotionally involved. A shelter we just saw, that he's our shelter, which means something's going on, we need to shelter too. If a hurricane hits, they say hit a shelter. Tornado, go to the shelter. Because something's going on that if you stay in the element, you could die. So we have to understand that this Psalm 91, meaning we are acknowledging that there's a lot of bad stuff happening. But this is how I'm responding in the midst of it all. Nowhere is the life of faith devoid or void, excuse me, void of problems, challenges, and issues. The cool thing about the life of faith is you're guaranteed to win. Yes. Guaranteed. Because you're not fighting the battle alone. Your fight is, I believe, the one I'm seated with. He's the strength. I'm hidden in him. He's, you're not even fighting with me. You're fighting with my daddy. You just, you just brought yourself up and, and did a storm that I got into a shelter around, and my dad's there. Uh, you just tried to hide a trap for me, but he rescued me. You just talked bad about me and you just um, uh, uh, did a deadly curse. You know, I mean, I've heard it all. I mean, you'll never amount to nothing. You're not gonna do this. You'll never be able to do that. Okay, you're cursing me. Great. I mean, I've had people actually curse me. You know, use curse words, right? All kind of neat little sayings, right? But at the end of the day, I don't believe it. I'm not a sorry SOB. I'm the son of God, (laughs) right? I mean, why would I believe them about me over God? But how many believers are? And the reason they do, because they're not here. They're not dwelling where all that takes place, where everything that Psalms 91 says he affords is for us. Verse 4, his massive arms are wrapped up around you, protecting you. Man, you see he goes to the gym. The Lord goes to the gym. (laughs) He's working out, man. He's got to keep the pump on. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. Wow, how powerful. The Lord knows when the attacks, he'll say, come on, come on, come on over here. Come on, come on. See, we don't understand that he's come to me. How do you come to him? You're, obviously, if you're serving him and following him and following him, and say, come here. In those times, a lot of times, we need to get in him, around him, let him wrap us up with his massive arm. And that's coming through prayer. See, when you hide yourself in him, when you are in this place where you're allowing the covering of his majesty and hide, basically, you're taking that thing to prayer. I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, you know so-and-so said? I said, well, let's pray for him. I just take it to prayer. Because at the end of the day, I'm staying with the big arms. I'm, at, I'm with the gun show. That's who I'm with. Right? Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm staying in... The covering of majesty. Amen. And majesty, which is a royal term, a kingdom term, is what kings have. Amen. So you understand, all this is staying on the throne with him so that these things can take place for us. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. Amen. Now we know what the shield is. It's called the shield of faith. So a shield of faith is held in a natural sense, because when Paul wrote about the armor of God, right? And he talked that he used a Roman soldier's uh, equipment, he says, and taking up the shield of faith, which they took it up with their arm. Well, when you're taking up the shield of faith, guess who's actually holding the, the faith shield? The Lord is. It's his arm. Now you're creating the shield by your faith. Because you're believing God, you're behind Him, and He's like, "That's my word, son. I got this. I got this." Now, again, Roman shields—they were larger too. They would help cover their whole body as well, you know. But they still had to hold the thing up, and they didn't put their hands around here when you cut their fingers off, right? So you understand, it was still holding it from there. There are—I mean, when the pressure came, and it came, do you understand? The Roman soldiers—they didn't like uh, run away in the cot. They would stand their ground, and that's why it says when you've done all to stand. Right. So again, stand. And that means that enemy is on the other side of that shield. Blow after blow after blow after blow. And you're hearing the sound. You feel the pressure. You hear them cussing you. You know they're going to kill you. If that thing turned, if there's any way, and they would lock those shields together, that it would form this like wall. And they would come. See, the problem is, believers want to come off the throne, take their own little shield, and the devil come around you, doggone little shield. Because you're not in the church. See, you got to stay on the throne, seated with Christ, in the church, where we can all mount up the to battle together, and you can't penetrate when we're all standing in faith together. But when you feel that pressure, and he, it's God's big, massive arms that are holding on to the faith that you have, and he's not moved by what, in fact, he'll let the devil wear himself out on your faith. That's what you gotta be thinking when, when you're believing God and everything is telling you you're not gonna get it. It's not gonna happen. It won't work. It's not gonna do. You know you still feel this way. You know it's that way and it's just pound and pound it. You ought to say, you just go ahead and wear yourself out. Because in the natural, eventually that soldier would get tired. And all you doing is like, I'm just buying my time because I'm fixing to come up out of here with a sword and you ain't gonna have the strength to stop my sword because you have been worn, you've wore yourself out on my shield. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you, I mean, you could take that shield and they could press so much and get worn out that they could push back with the shield, trip them up, land on top of them with the shield, take the sword while the shield of faith is over their bodies, and stab them and cut off their head. I understand that may seem a little graphic, but the devil's not a nice guy. And we shouldn't treat him like he's civilized. He is not civilized. Okay, he only has one deal, that's to kill you, your family, any seed that would ever come out of you, go back to your mama, your daddy, your grandkids, grandparents, he would go generations ahead if he can get something planted in some hellion in your bloodline. I mean, that's, he's just that vicious. And anyone he won't just deal with your family. He'll deal with your cousins. Then he'll deal with your neighbors. I mean, he'll take out your whole neighborhood. He'll take out your whole race. He'll suppress cultures. So that whether you part of the, the original family or not, you'll just identify with them. That's how he is. I mean, he's ruthless. So we got to understand, God's got the massive arms wrapped around you. He's able to hold up your shield. Man, his arms are are faithfulness and are a shield keeping you from harm. My gosh, man. Nothing the enemy could ever throw at you would ever wear out the Lord. Will never happen. But that's because you dwell right here. Verse five, you will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. I mean, you're not even worried. Now, again, you're not worried about a demonic attack. Jesus said this, or Jesus didn't say it. The Holy Spirit said it through Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. He said, look how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, okay? So the enemy has a capacity to be able to expose or um, utilize sickness and disease as a weapon. I'm gonna say that again. The enemy through demonic activity has the ability to use sickness and disease as a weapon. But if a demonic attack through disease, you don't have to worry about it. If there's a demonic attack of disease, you don't have to worry. If there's a demonic attack of lack by tying up resources, You don't have to worry. No worry. Nor do you have to fear. Because God did not give you a spirit of fear. So you don't have to fear the spirit of darkness coming against you. Jesus literally says, do not worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. See, when you dwell, no matter what demonic attack is happening to the known world, you're not worried and you're sure not afraid. Because the Lord's not afraid. He is not seated in heaven going, I sure am afraid for my kids right now because that's a rough world they're in. He's not. What he's saying is, I wish my kids would get in the seat that I'm in right now and realize who they are because they'd push back every form of darkness. It would never hinder them one bit. And it doesn't matter how much attack it comes on him, no matter how much it tries to plan, scheme, devise, try to do, no matter what sources they use to try to destroy their lives, it cannot happen. I'll always bring them to the top. And not only will I bring them to the top because I'm El Shaddai, it'd be more than enough. I will let the world know that I'm their God. A lot of times we want this expression of God, this demonstration of God. But not only does God demonstrate himself in the gifts of the Spirit. But he also demonstrates himself in overcoming adversity and direct attacks. So make no mistake about it, the, the Lord is not intimidated when an attack comes on you. He's like saying, just stay seated, son. Daughter, just stay seated. Because when this is all over, they'll know that I am your Lord. But we don't want to endure because, and we want to run. We want to get off the seat, try to handle it ourselves, fix it ourselves. I can't do this, Lord. You can't do it. Stay seated. That's what he's saying. You can't do it. Stay seated. Because you're going to do it with me. In me, you're going to be able to do it. He goes on in verse 6, says, don't fear a thing. So, think of something you fear. And that's a thing. So, don't fear it. I'm afraid of the dark. Don't fear it. Right? Right? Don't fear it, don't do it, don't fear a thing. And this is what he means when he says don't fear a thing. Whether by day or night, demonic danger will not trouble you nor will the powers of evil launched against you. Meaning, you don't have to be wringing your hands and being concerned about all that's trying to come against you, you this, is the, this is the most carefree life ever. Carefree life ever. Carefree life ever. It really is. Hallelujah. I mean, it's so awesome. And I mean, I just deal with stuff as they come. Why? Because I don't think I'm going to have a bad day, even when bad tries to show up in my day. (laughs) Right? At the end of the day, I'm going to stay with the Lord, stay seated, and we're going to overcome. And even if it doesn't manifest today, Next week or a month from now, it will manifest because I'm not coming off. I dwell. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Because I'm not going to fear a thing. Well, what about what's going on with Russia and Ukraine? What are we going to do? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the Antichrist. I'm not afraid of wars and rumors of wars. Are they horrible? Yes. Are they bad? Yes. Are people dying? Yes. But that's happening because we're in a world of sin and. The majority of the planet are, is not even in the kingdom of God. So their whole life calls death to it. They're demanding sin to pay his wage. And there's nothing you can do. Your crying doesn't stop that. Because you can't stop sin from paying its wage. You can't pray, Lord, don't let the wage of sin in their life pay. It's gonna pay. You can say, show mercy, Lord, and the Lord can continue to have mercy. But at the end of the day, the Lord himself will say, it's really not my problem. They are pulling it to them, and I've done everything I can to have shown mercy in their life and bring them out of that, but they just refuse. And at the end of the day, Wage is coming. Payday is coming. Now, when I say death, I don't mean ceasing to exist on planet Earth. I'm saying it could be a separation of a job. They're constantly in fear that they're going to lose their job because we're in inflation. And man, with the supply chain and all this stuff. And they're worried. And they're wringing their hands. And they're concerned about it. And you know how our government is. And you know how this is. And, you know how, and next thing you know, they get laid off. And the Lord's like, man, I, man, I was doing everything I can. I'm talking about even with believers. But even more so, for sure, the devil's kids. But even a child of God, who I believe God extends further mercy and more long-suffering because of a covenant therein. But if they will not dwell there, they will eventually get in places that the devil will have a legal right to be able to bring calamity into their lives. And it's because they were fearing a thing. That's what happened with Job. Job's problem was not God-ordained. Job's problem was the thing I have feared has come upon me. And his fear wasn't even for his own life. That's what's so sad. His fear was for his kid's life. That he could only take responsibility so Far. Wow. And because he was trying to take a responsibility further than he could, it started to affect his own life. But because he maintained his righteousness with God, right, and never cursed him, because that was the condition, that if I do these things, because the Lord said he's in your power, that's what he said, which means that the enemy had the power because he was God of this world. It's always in your power. Those things on the earth are in your power anyway. That falls within your dominion. The dominion that Satan got from Adam. That's how you need to read Job instead of the Lord did it. Just because it says the Lord, just because he said the Lord give the Lord take it away, the Lord didn't take it away. The devil took it. The devil killed his kids. The devil killed his livestock. The devil tore down their houses and messed up all that. The devil put the disease on him. Because he's a skin suit. But the Lord limited the disease. He says you can't put a disease on that would release his spirit out of his body. In essence, he can't die because he's done nothing worthy of death. You're creating a condition or or speculating a condition can occur that he's gonna curse me because he's allowed fear to open the door where the devil had a legal right. Have you considered my servant Job? So some of y'all are afraid of what's going to happen. I mean, because there's a real, like, health craze going on, right? And I think you should be healthy. I'm a healthy person myself. You know, hopefully you can see that. Um, but, you know, I try to watch what I eat. I try to exercise. I try to make sure what I put in my mind. But some people get overboard. Getting afraid that if they... T- Listen, I have scripture that I could eat, drink deadly poison it don't harm me. Now, I'm not going around drinking deadly poison and say, see what, God, you can do. But what I'm saying is, I'm not freaking out just because something that I've learned isn't the best. If it shows up, I'm not gonna catch something. Because now you've taken your health to an extreme and what you are fearing, because that's why you did away with all those things. And here's the crazy thing about sin. This is the crazy thing about sin. The healthiest people can still get cancer because sinful lifestyles will bring it i don't understand how i got it i mean i eat all organic i mean only grass-fed no no GMO, g gmos and hmos and hoas and <laughs> whatever i mean i eat i understand i'm not bad i'm just saying our mentality Because too many have gotten into the Google and into the conspiracies. I'm talking political. I'm talking food. I'm talking every sector of society. And what we do is we try to get on a right side to an extreme, but that's not the righteousness God's asking you to be. He's asking you to be the righteousness of God in the word. So again, if you are having a problem eating a particular deal, you shouldn't eat it. Because even Paul said, man, if my brother has a problem eating a steak sacrificed to an idol, when he I realize it's not even a real idol, I'd tear the steak up. But if he couldn't do it and it would create sin in his life, then I'm not going to eat the steak in front of him that he knows will sacrifice to the idol because he'll be jacked up. At the end of the day, I'm not going to do it. And surely, I'm sure not going to say, bro, it's nothing, eat it, it's okay. Because it ain't to them. And that's a personal conviction now, not a law of God and a standard of holiness. All right. So there's a lot of fear out there that people do because the enemy will take a righteous perspective because remember in the garden, and I need to close this down, in the garden, or not in the garden, um, uh, in the temptations of Christ, when Jesus said it is written, the devil's like, well, I know scripture. And he quoted Psalms 91. We'll get to it next week, the verse he quoted. He quoted it. Well, it is written, which means he'll make you think this is a godly choice. But anytime fear is involved, then this demonic danger that's there to trouble you will mask itself even in holiness. hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. verse 7 even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed you will remain unscathed and unharmed so you as a saint need to stay here okay and quit quit listening to but aunt so-and-so went to church and she was believing God. Well, first of all, you weren't inside aunt so-and-so's mind and spirit because we all know that we can say a thing and not mean a thing because most of y'all do it all the time. How you doing? Fine. And you're really not fine. Fine. But you're not going to be honest about that. And I'm not telling you that you should say, my life sucks, man. I'm just going to tell you this is a horror thing. (laughs) I'm not saying do that. You know, sometimes you do need to say, by faith, I'm fine. Okay. I mean, things are happening, but I'm not going to discuss them. It's okay. Now, that's more honest than just saying, I'm great. Right? When you know I'm really not great, you know. Especially, you know, if somebody comes to your house after you and your spouse have argued and they ring the doorbell and you know tension's there and you're like, y'all doing all right? We're great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now the truth is man we were just having this knockdown, drag out I mean and we realized we got in the flesh about this so I'm sorry honey I'm we're gonna have to repent in front of you I don't even maybe you're over here because you heard us screaming I don't know <laughs> God forbid I tell you it was we're good <laughs> I want you to think that all that screaming we were doing was okay <laughs> my point is is that a lot of people say I'm believing God to be healed and they're not believing God to be healed I'm believing God that it won't come, and they're not believing God. So I never take someone's ultimate experience as God's voice. I always stay with God's voice. I don't know what happened with Grandma. I don't know what happened with my dad. I don't know what happened with, you know, sister so-and-so. But I know for me, the Lord says that even in a time of disaster, thousands and thousands can be killed, but I will remain unscathed and unharmed. And I'm going to stay to that belief system, well, don't you know people are dying in COVID? Don't you know people died with a car accident? Don't you know people died with an overdose with drugs? Don't you know people? All these things take place. I get it at the end of the day. So I better get to my place where I can be the most protected. I'm going to stay dwelling. I can't account for where everybody else is at. And what you don't know and what we don't know is maybe some of the things the Lord said to people prior to a situation taking place. I mean, we go so far to assume that the minute someone, some people really want to believe, but they didn't heed things earlier that hindered stuff. And I'm gonna be honest with you, there are some things in life that are just a mystery, and I cannot explain it to you. But if you're hindering your faith on something that took place that in scripture we could say, probably shouldn't have, and now all of a sudden we want to throw out everything because of this one. It's better to say, there's something I don't know, and I'm just going to step back and just stay focused on a holy God and stay with his word at the end of the day. So it shows that we have this capacity to always want to build our faith by our sight and not by the word and word alone. But we can't afford that in these days. We've got to stay dwelling in the seat where we're serving and following him. His word's the only thing. And no matter what's going on, we're like, man. Because, man, sometimes, you know, especially during this, you're thinking, man, I thought those people were like believing God. But this whole situation has absolutely disrupted their lives. I mean, there's some people that came out and decided they weren't even going to follow God during some, some things that have been coming out. Denouncing him even, you're like, This is mind-blowing. But you understand, that wasn't an immediate moment. It was something that was getting in them, eating in them, staying in them, meaning they they either were never, they never stayed in the seat. Because once you get born again, you get here. Born again gets you here. Right? But the problem is, when you're born again, you're a what? A babe in Christ. If I brought... Nellis Jr. into this room right now, right? And I put a babe in this chair. What do you think the chances are they gonna stay there? (laughs) Yeah, they are gonna be like, (laughs) you know, gonna be squirming. You know, and ready to go. How many times? Stay in your seat. You tell your, your kids, stay in your seat. Why are you getting up? Why did they get up? Well when babes in Christ we get up because we start going the way we used to, and the Lord's like, hey, whoa, whoa, come back. Get in your seat right now. Sit down while I'm trying to teach you something. Trying to teach you something. Gotta stay right here in your seat now. I, I got you in the seat. I mean, you're you're in this seat because I, I got you here. You're born again. I mean, that's what we're doing. So stay in the seat, child. Now, as we mature, we should be more like this when it comes to the seat. You ain't getting me off this seat, bro. I mean, this is what we should look like, like, mm, in the spirit, like, try it, right? You are not pulling me off, you know? But I see it. People get pulled off all the time in worship. They're like. (laughs) Devil does. Slapped you out of the chair, and you're like this. Right? But the Bible says what? Because if we're serving the fallen, lifting holy hands, sing praises unto the Lord. I mean, even in trouble, you, even when they were going out to war, they're like, singing to God. Right? So, in the trouble, you're supposed to sing, but the devil slaps you off the chair, and you're like... I mean, how's that in the spirit? And how's that uh, 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 connection with God? I don't even get it. I mean... Well, now, you're judging me. No, the Bible tells me what a worshiper looks like. Yes. So you judging yourself. Hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> right? Everybody just do this one time? Right, Come on. all, yes, wow, see, you did it. And I'm not even God. <laughs> and not hard. It's not hard at all. Right? Amen. See, your life in the seat is more exposing than you think. Meaning we know, know, people know whether you're in it or not. All right, let's finish out with verse eight. Um, Verse eight. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment for they will be paid back for what they have done. Again, payday's coming for those who choose to never get in the seat, never choose to be with the Lord, and choose to live life on their own. And we'll actually spectate it. We'll watch it happen. I've seen it. I mean, honestly, for some of y'all that have been around for a while, you know some individuals that have been here before, but something happened and they left. At the end of the day, I take any back anybody repented, but didn't leave for the right reason. And when you start seeing their life today, it's like really falling off course. Bad. Now, did we do that? No. They chose to take a different position with God. And as a result of that, their life. Has turned into a whole nother ball game. And when you look at it, you're like, wow, you, you are like being a spectator of calamity only because they chose to be offended, take an offense, walk in unforgiveness, think they heard something that they really didn't hear at all. Or God Touched them in a service and said, hey, it's time for us to deal with this. Because I love you so much. We just can't produce the fruit out of your life that we need to. And it's pruning season. And they're like, don't touch me there. And then they can't keep coming to the place that every time they show up, the Lord's like, I love you. we need to talk about this parents, had not you been there with your children at the time like, man, we just I'm t- we're going to have to talk about this we can't push this under the rug, we are not going anywhere, and like, it's like living hell at your house with your child until they deal with it and you've got to be the one that looks like the bad guy but you're not, you're just saying, we need to talk about this, this is a problem, this is not how it's supposed to be, you're better than this God didn't make you this way. God didn't tell you to do that. God's not having you live like this. And so you're having to, in love, confront. But all of a sudden, they're like, just not going to deal with it. And then it becomes very comfortable to come to a place that the Lord's really good at wanting to deal with. And he has the liberty to. Because I'm like, deal with them, Lord. Deal with them all. Because I know if you walk in love and I walk in love, we will not have conflict. Meaning, when conflict comes, we will always side with God's love, reach the agreement in the Spirit, forgive, and act like it never happened. Period. It doesn't matter who's at fault. And if you can't get to that place, then you're going to have a problem. You're going to actually come off a seat. So he who dwells is the one who has a right to Psalms 91. And we need to stay seated. Because if we will, there's nothing that's going to go on in this planet ever that's going to hinder your progress and hinder you from fulfilling God's will for your life. It won't happen. As for me, And I say my house, but ultimately, I only say that because I'm going to do my part. And even in my house, my wife has to choose. I'm going to stay seated. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchorfaith We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank okay. you.